Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 67. Don't know if there, I don't know any hockey players named number 67 of my little hockey show where once a week I go through all of the major NHL news, mostly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames because they're my favorite two teams, but I can talk about any of the 32 teams in the league because I'm a big old hockey nerd. So what is on tap for this week? Well, obviously we got to continue to talk about the white hot news at Columbus featuring Mike Babcock. So we'll be diving into that. Also going to be talking about more news out of Calgary, some decent news. There's the rookie tournament that has been going on over the last week. The WPHL had their first ever draft. We'll dive into that just a little bit. Some Bruins news, and yeah, so let's just dive into the Babcock stuff. So, Mike Babcock has resigned as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And yeah, so last week... We talked about the situation, and at the time that we discussed this last week, some some loose ends were still needing to be tied up. So the investigation through the NHL was completed with the Columbus Blue Jackets last week. We discussed that. They came out and said that there was no wrongdoings. They talked to Mike Babcock. They talked to Boone Jenner. Boone Jenner came out and said that he felt comfortable and fine with the situation, But then the NHLPA did their investigation, and um, yeah, it turns out uh, a lot of it was, I wouldn't say necessarily getting covered up, but the full story wasn't getting out, and maybe they weren't asking the right people. So, turns out it was a lot worse, and uh, more players were more uncomfortable than what was previously perceived the last time we were talking about this, so more of the younger players were more vocal uh, about Mike Babcock and how uncomfortable they were with that situation, showing off photographs in their private phones. And yeah, so we're going to read from an article here uh, in a moment from the score or sorry, Sportsnet, and we'll have uh, some direct quotes from the Columbus organization. But before we get into that, I have to give shout out and props to Spit and Chicklets, uh, mostly Uh, Whitney and Biz, they did not back down from these allegations. You know, some people were thought they were going on the witch hut and everything. And, you know, my my position on it was that the truth lied somewhere in the middle. I didn't think that the story was over yet. And who knows? We didn't know 100% just yet who was in the wrong or who was in the right. But it appears that Spit and Chicklets was on the right path. And good for them for keeping on it and not backing down, even when the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets organization investigated it and found no wrongdoings. That wasn't enough for them because, yeah, it's easy for the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets to cover up for their own organization and their own mistakes. They would want that to be covered up. But then you got to shout out the NHLPA, the Players Association as well, and Marty Walsh, who is now kind of newly on the job. He did a pretty solid job. I know people don't really like him that much, but I thought he handled this pretty well. He really seemed to be on the player's side, which, you know, with some of the other... Uh, NHLPA members that didn't always seem like the case but I felt that Marty Walsh backed up the players he felt that this was completely out of line and that and players shouldn't feel like they're they're not safe and they don't have uh, their own privacy in the workplace or anything like that so got to shout out Chicklets and the NHLPA for doing doing their job and and going in there and investigating fully getting all the getting both sides of the stories and 
dealing out the judgment properly. So with that being said, there's also some people that should be on the chopping block. And well, we already know that Babcock is, right? So he resigned, but we all kind of know that's basically a firing. Uh, I'm going to say it's a firing because like, come on now. Like, okay, you want to use the nice word as resign? Nah, dog, you were fired. And this better be the last we hear of Babcock in the NHL. I don't ever want to see him again. I already made my opinions known when Columbus hired him. It wasn't, I was not for that. I do not believe that he deserved a chance whatsoever to come back here. All the proof, all the stories, the track record. Like, I'm, I was a little bit stunned that he was coming back. But Columbus hiring him, you know, knowing what Yarmo Kekalainen's position was right now in the organization of Columbus, he's been the GM for about a decade now, really doesn't have any major success to show for it, and he was definitely in desperation mode. He took a big swing with Mike Babcock, hoping for a home run, but he 1,000% missed, and he has been struck out. And honestly... I am shocked that he is not fired along with Mike Babcock along with this because that was his decision. And um, honestly, I feel like that should have been the end of it. I don't think even if Babcock went in there, I think that they would have had to knock it out of the park for Kekalainen to stay. Because like I said, he's been there for 10 years. He's made some good moves. He's made some bad moves. And there just hasn't been enough playoff success. And you know what I'm saying? So I felt like he should have been fired with Mike Babcock. It would have been a great chance for a completely new fresh start with what seems to be an up-and-coming team with Fantilli and all these other young guys coming up. But uh, he's still there, so I'm a little bit surprised with that. I know some people are, are fine with Kekalein and staying, but I think that is a fireable offense. And, you know, that's just kind of the last straw, I would say. If I was the owner, I wouldn't be having Kekalein and uh, there because he's the guy that brought him in so that's your guy and you fucked up you you knew that there was a really strong chance that it wasn't going to work and it didn't so well as of right now he uh, Kekalainen is still there but I think he needs to be reprimanded just just as much man because he's he's the guy that brought him in and I don't know if it's 100% him who knows who's pulling the strings behind the scenes we all know that GMs don't necessarily have 100% control in the decisions that they make, but regardless, he's the one that's going to be out in front, he's the one that made the statements, and so on and so forth, so very, very disappointed, and, you know, everyone is disappointed with this, regardless, it's, you know, I'm happy that he's gone before... It got started. It's extremely embarrassing for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. And again and again, you know, they just haven't really had anything major. And this is kind of one of the biggest things in the Columbus Blue Jackets history right now is the debacle that was the Mike Babcock signing. I mean, yeah, you got Rick Nash at first overall. We got Fantilli coming in, but we don't know what that's going to be about. Beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in that sweep a few years ago. Like, those are some of the highlights. And you know, this is just not good. You know, Columbus is trying to turn a page here, kind of want to become more relevant than ever in the league, and some things were going so right with them. Johnny Goudreau's coming over. You know, that was nice. That was a really nice surprise, and 
maybe that was going to be the start of something great, and then they bring in Babcock, and now here we are again where Columbus is just uh, not doing well in the eyes of NHL fans right now. I mean, they're kind of the laughing stock at this moment, and I know they've been begging to be talked about more in NHL media and stuff, and well, I guess they're getting their wish right now because I don't think we have ever talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets as much as we have at this moment. So, I mean, is it is it that situation where no bad press, like bad press is good press? Like, you know what I'm saying? But this is bad. This is just bad. So it's going to take Columbus a while to recuperate from this, but at least they pulled the trigger now and didn't just go into the season with him. Like, just imagine, like, if they didn't, if he didn't resign or they didn't fire him and all this was found out and they just fucking doubled down and said, fuck it, we'll go with him, we'll do it anyway. But... At least they made the right decision eventually getting rid of him. And I know everyone's been like, oh, it's easy to say that with hindsight, but I I was not for him coming in in the beginning. So there's that. So on the bright side, we have uh, the new coach has been named already. So the new Columbus Blue Jackets coach is Pascal Vincent. He got a two-year contract to go along with that. And apparently a lot of people are pretty happy about this. I can't personally say that I know a whole heck of a lot about this guy. But this is good because he's been, I believe he was the assistant coach with Columbus for the last few years. This is a guy getting an opportunity finally at being an NHL coach. And we're seeing a little bit more of this. And this is good. Like Huska getting named the coach in Calgary. We're seeing new names come in here. And hopefully they're going to change some things in the NHL in terms of coaching and we're going to hopefully start getting away from recycling the old names hopefully we don't ever have to see Babcock again I really hope that this is going to put in perspective I'm not saying that Joe Quenville is as evil as Babcock but just the PR nightmare that Columbus is going to have to go through with this whole Babcock thing if another team decides to bring in Quenville there's going to be a lot of question marks and I would imagine a lot of bad press going towards that team and bringing back someone that doesn't necessarily have a great track record of being good with human beings. Now, I'm not saying that Quenville was fully responsible for what went down in Chicago. Regardless, he was involved with it, and I am of the mind that that is a major fuck-up that I cannot forgive, and I don't think he should be back in the NHL for it. So, there's that. I hope that teams are going to see what happened with Columbus and maybe not take that chance on Joel Quenville. I know he's a got a great track record with coaching. He's got all this winning success, but is it really worth it in the end if your players aren't happy to have that person there? So we'll see where it goes with that. Maybe we don't see anything with Quenville for a while until the Babcock stuff kind of calms down. Could you imagine if a team hired Quenville tomorrow? Wouldn't that be a fucking shitstorm? So it is good to see uh, Vincent get a chance in the NHL. I hope the best for him. I mean, I feel like he's going to have a good opportunity. I feel like a lot of those Columbus players are probably breathing that big sigh of relief right now. Like, oh, Babcock's not here. We don't have to worry about that. And I mean, these guys are probably at this moment willing to run through a fucking wall for this guy just because he's not Mike Babcock. So he's got that going for him. And hell, if he gets off to a good training camp, 
gets off to a good start with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That is going to be a great story for him and possibly the beginning of the new redemption story for the Columbus Blue Jackets where they got past the Mike Babcock thing. The young guns come up and are great and Johnny Goudreau is amazing again. Patrick Laine score 100 goals. Fucking Elvis Merzlikens gets it back. We'll see. I mean, that's shooting for the stars. I I am not of the belief that Columbus is out of the basement just yet. I still feel like they're going to have a, a few more years, but yeah, so what a shit show. So let's read now from the quotes and the article from the score and just the, so Columbus, they had their little press conference uh, today or yesterday, whenever you're listening to this, a press conference went down. So I'm just going to straight up read from the article here on Sportsnet. If you want to go check it out, read it for yourself, or you can listen to me, read it for you. So here we go. Columbus Blue Jackets owner, John McDonald said, the organization will not be making additional changes to its hockey operations department after head coach Mike Babcock was forced to resign Sunday. So that's pretty much pointing out that they're not going to be moving off of Yarmo Kekalainen just yet. That doesn't mean he will not be fired next week. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get extension tomorrow, but now we go into a quote. Quote, our or Ownership group is deeply frustrated and disappointed by the events of the past week, McConnell said in a statement issued by the team Monday that also endorsed the decision to replace Babcock with Pascal Vincent. Quote, We had candid conversations with our leadership after last season about our goals and expectations for growth and progress on the ice in the 2023-24 season. Those expectations are still in place and can still be achieved, so we do not anticipate further changes to our hockey leadership team at this time. Additional disruptions would be detrimental to our players and coaches as they prepare for the opening of training camp in two days. End quote. The Blue Jackets hired head coach Mike Babcock uh, on July 1st, but before he could coach a single game, his conduct came under scrutiny after former NHLer Paul Bissonnette of Spit and Chicklets reported the coach had made some players uncomfortable by asking to see photos on their phones. The Blue Jackets subsequently released statements from Babcock and Captain Boone Jenner downplaying the photo situation. But a follow-up investigation by the NHLPA leadership ultimately led to Babcock's resignation Sunday. Quote, According to multiple sources, one of the most serious concerns was a meeting that occurred away from team facilities that included several minutes of looking through a phone. That was beyond the scope of what was initially understood to have occurred, end quote. So that was from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. So that is kind of the big thing. That's the big difference uh, that we didn't hear from last week. We did have the understanding that Babcock was looking at players' phone, but like the quote said, it was 100% downplayed that it was very minuscule. Just, oh, hey, show me a picture of your family. But allegedly, that is not what went down and off of like Columbus facilities, like going off base, basically, that's a big fucking no-no, man. So that that's just like way out of line. So 100% understanding of that being so much more serious. And if we knew that last week, then yeah, I don't think uh, anyone would be, you know, being on the side of Babcock. But the fact that he was going through players' phones for multiple minutes, that means like he's probably holding on through it and he's just scrolling through every single photograph. And 
Columbus is a team filled with a variety of age players. You got older veteran players, and you also have an abundance of younger players. And I don't know the personal lives of all these players, but when I was younger, I definitely had more stupid photos on my phone than I do now at the age of 30. So if it was 18-year-old me and my boss said he wanted to take a look at the photos in my phone, I would definitely have a lot more anxiety towards showing my boss my phone. I would definitely be like, no way, man, that's not happening. Today, you know, I got 30 years of experience under my belt. Maybe I learned a thing or two on my travels through life, and I tend to not keep uh, inappropriate photographs on my phone on the regular. So, you know, if my boss asked me that today, it would still be rather uncomfortable for sure, but... I would maybe not consider it as big of a deal as some of the younger players did. And that's basically what happened. Like, it sounds like Boone Jenner, it wasn't that big of a deal to him. He's like, yeah, I got family, I got kids. Maybe he understood more so where Babcock was coming from. And then a younger guy would be like, whoa, this guy's trying to get a look at, you know, what kind of shit I'm doing in, uh, off the ice and stuff. And that really, that's his own personal life. What he's doing off the ice on his own free time, that's not for Babcock to know about. So... Yeah, with that coming out, that's just a huge red flag that's extremely fucked up. And, you know, this isn't the first time that he's done that. It's come out and that he's done this in other organizations. I haven't heard about anything like that with the Toronto Maple Leafs when he was coaching with with them. But we are, uh, we bring back up the Mitch Marner story with the Toronto Maple Leafs where Babcock had Mitch Marner come in for a personal meeting one-on-one and he had Mitch put down his top five players on the team that he thought were uh, basically lazy workers, not not competitive enough. And he forced him to put those names on paper, and then he showed off uh, that to the players that Mitch Marner said were lazy workers. And that just builds a horrible environment. It made Mitch Marner very, very uncomfortable, very upset. So virtually everywhere Babcock has been, there's going to be a bad story about him to what he did to somebody. So, you know, Red Flag City already. This is why I didn't want him to come back. He's already had all this horrible stuff confirmed. So, again, it's just a very, just what a waste of time this basically was, right? I mean, disappointing for sure. I mean, I definitely understand that with the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. It's uh, a major embarrassment for them. All they can really do, man, is just, you know, get your head together look forward continue with that goal and the path that you want get back to the playoffs develop your young players and I mean that's another thing Babcock has not really ever had a good relationship with younger players and this is a young up-and-coming team where a lot of your big pieces are young players 18 year old Fantilli like what 20 year old Kent Johnson like this is a young team with a very young important players and do you really want Babcock mentally destroying these young kids before they even have a chance well we're never gonna find out because he's gone thankfully so we'll try our best to move on from that that's about all that I know right now um but, you know, best to Pascal Vincent. I hope the best for him. He's got two years, so that's nice. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on the Columbus Blue Jackets, how their training camp goes and how the preseason goes. And, of course, how the beginning of the season goes for them. It's going to be extremely, extremely interesting. 
Speaking of extremely interesting, we have some more fairly positive news coming out of Calgary. So, Elias Lindholm is on his final year of his, I think it's $4.5 million contract. An absolute bargain. One of the better deals in the league right now. But... He's got a major decision to make. So he's come out and said that he is all for re-signing with the Calgary Flames. This is great news, right? Well, I really don't know because Calgary at this moment in time may be one of the biggest question marks in the league. I have no real idea what this team is going to do this season, man. There's been so many major changes Um, The team already struggled so much to score last season. Last season alone was just such an anomaly with, what, 15 overtime losses, missing the playoffs by only two points. And yeah, so it's going to be extremely interesting to see how the Flames deal with this upcoming season. It's definitely a teeter-totter situation. It's rather they're going to be competitive and in a playoff spot or they're going to tear this bitch down and try and move on and sell off what pieces that they can. So Elias Lindholm, one year left on his deal. He wants to stay, but is it in the best interest for Calgary to keep him? That is my question right now. So we'll try and break it down piece by piece. So he says he wants to stay. Well, for how long and for how much? Everyone likes to go for the maximum deal. I, I uh, Let's just take a look at how old he is right here. So he's 28 years old right now. So if you want to give him an eight-year deal, that's going to take him till he's 36 years old. And how much is that going to look? I mean, it's it's up in the air. Now, I am of the mind that absolutely, if you are going to sign Lindholm, do not, and I repeat, do not give him eight years because you already have what... As of right now, they look like boat, boat anchor contracts. You got the Jonathan Huberto contract. He's... Locked in for a million years. He's got eight more years left on his deal. He's already 30 years old. So he's already, I wouldn't say he's on the decline, but he's already coming out of that prime. He's got a few more good years left in him at maximum three to four really good years. And then you're probably going to start seeing that decline. And then we know last season was a massive drop off in points for Huberdo. I feel he'll bounce back. He's not going to get to that 115 and he's he, he'll probably be in a round point a game. So He's locked in until he's 38. You got Kadri. He's 32. Six more years on that deal. That's going to take him until he's 38. And after that, you got Coleman for four more years. He'll take him until he's 35. So you got a handful of players there already um, that you're going to be paying more than what they're going to be worth, I would imagine. Now, I can't read the future. Maybe Huberdeau is productive for all of those eight years. The chances of that happening are rather slim, but it could happen. Sure, why not? Same thing with Kadri. I mean, he's 32. He's His best years are more than likely behind him at this point, though he has kind of shown that uh, he's been kind of getting better with age. But again, last season with Calgary, fairly big drop off from the points that he had with Colorado Avalanche. That was expected. But again, you got $7 million on the books for another six years. And will Kadri be a $7 million player throughout all that? Mm, I mean, it all depends with the salary cap and everything. But regardless, you got big contracts for guys that are already 30 and above. So. Not not great. And then if you sign Elias Lindholm for an eight-year extension, say at $9 million, $8.5, 9000000 million, then you're going to have that guy. And 
he's going to be, you know, yeah, you'll probably be really good for 29, 30, 31, 32, probably four or five good productive years out of him. And then after that, it's going to be a struggle. You probably won't be able to trade that. He's more than likely going to want trade protection on that contract. And yeah, that's going to end up being a boat anchor contract. So if they wanted to trade him. So you got a player that's at a $4.85 million cap it, 28-year-old center. He was scored 40 goals a couple seasons ago. Yes, he was uh, had some fantastic line mates in Johnny Goudreau and Matty Kachuk. And, you know, I can understand where Elias Lindholm may be coming from, where he might think or want the same amount of money that Goudreau and Kachuk were making, but... I mean, you watch Kachuk, he goes off to another team, he continues to put up the same numbers. Goudreau, he goes to another team, his production falls off. Lindholm loses his two wings, uh, two wingers, and his production goes down quite a bit. So I feel like together, that was kind of a perfect little line there of amazing chemistry. And it looks like, you know, Kachuk looked like he was maybe the stir the the straw that was stirring the drink on that line but with Elias Lindholm being the center of that line I mean he has a good argument saying like well fuck I centered these two guys I'm the one that was stirring the freaking drink but I mean just with that dip in production it's a lot of argumental stuff right so Lindholm's probably going to want the sun and the moon the Flames organization are probably going to be like well you know what have you done for us lately how's a seven million dollars sound and I don't think Elias Lindholm is going to want seven million dollars what I am hearing the comparable would be would be a Bo Horvat contract and you know, I'm not saying that the Bo Hor- Horvat contract is any good either. It's probably going to look very, very bad to a lot of people that don't necessarily know what Bo, Bo Horvat is going to bring. But um, I wouldn't be very comfortable personally with that type of money unless it was like a three to four year deal. I would be super comfortable with that. I mean, if you can get him at a fair cap hit from eight to $9 million, I feel like with the upcoming uh, salary cap going up, the fact that he's a young in his prime center who can probably bounce back for uh, 25 to 30 goals, probably 70 to 80 points this season for a bounce back. I mean, that is going to hold a ton of trade value. It would hold a lot more trade value if they can get him uh, re-signed to a contract. But even if they wanted to trade him at this year's trade, deadline he would be worth a pretty penny and teams would be chomping at the bit to get this player uh, a top line center for under five million dollars that could that is the type of trade that could send your team over and win you a fucking stanley cup right so and and on top of that calgary could retain 50 percent of that and a team could pick up an elias lindholm for two and a half million dollars and i mean again that is the type of thing that can win you a stanley cup So we'll see what um, Calgary is going to do with Lindholm. You know, nothing else has really changed. Um, Hannafin hasn't changed his mind. He still is of the opinion that he wants to be moved or he's just going to walk. So they're going to have to do something. Is there a trade out there where you can trade both Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm? I think, I mean, maybe, but I, I would be more on the opinion of probably not because of how tight the cap is still this season. If you're going to trade both of them, uh, that's that's going to be tough to go down. But what do you guys think out there, Calgary Flames fans? Should they keep... Lindholm, or do you think that the the contracts of Huberto and Kadri just kind of maybe push Lindholm out, which is really unfortunate because Lindholm has been an excellent Calgary Flame. Uh, that was an awesome trade that they made with. I 
think it was Carolina. I might be mixing that up, but I'm pretty sure it was Carolina. And, I mean, yeah, he was great. I would love for him to stay, but it all comes down to that contract length. That's the thing that worries me the most. I'm fine with them paying him a little bit more if it's going to be a three to four year, but the way that these contracts are going now, I just don't know if, you know, uh, cutting money off is really in the in the plans for Lindholm. So he's already been making uh, a lot less than what he's worth in the NHL. So he's probably going to want to get paid. And I don't know how important winning Stanley Cups is to him right now. Money might be more important at this moment. So the the future for Elias Lindholm is definitely very interesting. I'll be keeping my eye on it. But it was pretty eyebrow raising to me that he said he would wanted to, wanted to stay. So, you know, maybe Huska and um, Conroy are doing a really good job at maybe meeting with these guys and talking, talking to them about the future and what they want to get accomplished with this team. And maybe they've sold Elias Lindholm on it and he re-signs for like six and a half million dollars. I would cream. I would fucking get a full back piece of Elias Lindholm just on my back. Don't even worry about it. But regardless, what do you guys think is going to happen with Lindholm? Is he going to get traded? Are they going to re-sign him for eight years, four years, no years? What's going to happen with Elias Lindholm? I am leaving that up to you. So let's move on. Let's talk about the rookie tournament that has been going on. Now, I will say right out of the gate, I have not watched any of that. I've just been very, very busy this week. And I tend to not watch the preseason stuff all that much because a lot of it gets blown out of proportion. You're not seeing teams at their full capacity and their full power. So some players may look like gods. And then when the season starts, not so much. But there's definitely interesting stories to take from this. And the two big ones are Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli each scoring hat tricks in their debut games. So that's pretty freaking awesome. I mean, if I was a Chicago Blackhawks fan, I would definitely be giddy about this. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to sit there and score a hat trick in his debut NHL game, but uh, at least he's looking very, very good and well above his competition in these rookie tournaments, as he should, right? He's definitely going to be one of the best, if not the best player in that rookie tournament. And from what I am seeing, it looks like a heart, like he is playing with his food out there right now. So that is a great sign, especially for the Chicago Blackhawks fans. At least you're going to have Connor Bedard to watch this year. And it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun to watch him play. And one of the cool things that I've uh, actually heard PK Subban say this, I don't know what podcast he was on, but he did, he was saying one of the cool major differences between Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard is that McDavid definitely, and we've seen this over the years, it's kind of been a a struggle and difficult for the Edmonton Oilers to find a winger to play with Connor McDavid. And that's not Connor McDavid's fault. That's just how fucking good he is. And it's been difficult to find a really good match for Connor McDavid and his wing. They've been shifting people on and off his wing. I can't say there's been a guy that's necessarily 100% stuck like stuck to him just yet is it going to be Connor Brown is it going to be Evander Kane is Nugent Hopkins going to move up like what who is it going to be at one point then they have Zach Cassian on his wing is it is it Hyman like Hyman seems to play really good with with them so that's always kind of been the challenge with the Edmonton Oilers is finding McDavid's winger and apparently that ain't much of a problem with Connor Bedard according to PK Subban you know he's played in the game he's played NHL games before I haven't but he said that Connor Bedard is the type of player that it seems like any type of player any player can play with him and he's going to make them substantially better maybe more comparable to like a Sidney Crosby like 
We've I've I've seen it throughout his whole career. It may be a guy you've never even heard of before, and then all of a sudden, this guy's a household name scoring 30 goals. Now, no no shots to like Chris Kunitz. He was amazing. Brian Rust, like all these guys that when they showed up there, you're like, oh, who's this guy? Like, that's the guy playing with Crosby, and then he makes them all-stars. So that's what Crosby did, and maybe that's what Connor Bedard is going to be able to do with the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, watch and see what goes on. Maybe Taylor Hall has a resurgence, and he connects very, very well with Connor Bedard. That seems to be who Chicago plans for him to be his winger. It's going to be Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard and then whoever else. But fuck, who knows? Maybe... Connor Bedard can get Taylor Hall back up to a 30-goal guy, maybe 60, 70 points. Who knows? So that's going to be really interesting. I thought that was a very cool little tidbit right there. So, And then there's Adam Fantilli of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they are desperate for some good news. And at least their, what was it, third overall pick? Yeah, they got him third overall. It looks like so far so good. So this could be the most talented guy that they've ever drafted since, like, Rick Nash and... Really good looking start for Mr. Fantilli this year. Now, I still don't know 100% if he's going to crack the lineup just yet. We'll have to kind of see how he does in the preseason. This is just a rookie tournament, so preseason is going to be a little bit more, a little tougher. There's going to be more NHL guys in there. Now, not all of them, but there will be some more. So we'll see how Fantilli does there. But again, scoring a hat trick, looking very dominant in the tournament so far. That's a good sign. So we'll see what Adam Fantilli is going to be able to do in this season. But that's cool, man. I'm, I'm excited. I love when the when a nice surge of young, fucking exciting players come in. Like the year when Toronto brought Matthews Marner and Willie Nylander all up at the same time. That was one of the most fun years as a Leaf fan I ever had. That was amazing. We'll see if that's the case for Columbus and or Chicago. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, we'll move on. So let's talk about the WPHL, the Women's Professional Hockey League. They had their first draft uh, just this past week here, and Minnesota drafted first overall, and they selected Taylor Heiss with their first pick, which is great. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know a whole lot about these these women hockey players, but uh, if you're getting taken first overall, you got to have some pretty nice potential right there. So good for Minnesota. And the only other story that I was hearing out of that draft was the fact that the Toronto team skipped over, um, what's her name here, Mueller, who appears to be like a generation, I'm not, well, maybe not generational talent, but a very, very, very good player. And the Toronto team passed over her and selected a defenseman. So um, that's the only other story that I heard. It seemed like defensemen were, or defense women, I don't know what to say. Defensemen, women were more uh, popular in the draft in the first couple rounds over the forwards. So a little bit interesting. We'll see if that is something that ends up biting the Toronto team in the ass. And uh, of course, it was the Boston team that got her. So we'll see if Mueller come, goes on to be the next fucking Haley Wickenheiser. And we'll see if, if that, I hope that's not the case for the Toronto team. I hope both players are fantastic. So that would be great. And the only other thing that I'm hearing people complain about uh, so far is that I don't believe they've shown off the jerseys yet for the teams and the teams don't have any names yet. So, I mean, you probably want to get that fucking going and let people know what jerseys they should buy and how cool they're going to look and the names of the fucking teams. That might be good. And also, there was a big missed opportunity at the draft because like 
one of the more iconic things about the draft is watching your drafted player holding up the jersey with their name on it, and they didn't have that at the women's draft. So that's a pretty let, pretty big letdown. That would have been like the perfect place to display your jerseys and all and all the designs and everything. But missed opportunity. So we're still waiting for um, their designs to come out, and we'll figure out what the hell they're going to look like. But. I guess we'll have to wait a little bit longer until that happens, but the Bruins did reveal their centennial jerseys for their upcoming 100th season. Now, this is hard because I hate the Bruins, but I will admit that their their look is timeless. It's uh, it's always been a really good-looking jersey to me. I've always liked the look of their jersey, and it's a nice look. Their centennial jerseys look really good. They got the nice uh, gold that I know the Buffalo Sabres used and the Ottawa Senators were using. It's a really nice looking gold. I'm never going to buy one. Even if it was given to me for free, I would just fucking not have it, throw it in the garbage. I'm sorry. I just, I could not do it. But it is nice. It's a nice looking jersey. So Bruins fans, if you happen to be listening to this for some reason, what do you guys think about the jersey? You like it? You're going to get it? More than likely. I mean, I fucking, oh, I don't remember if I have to leave Centennial or not. I might. I can't remember. Anyway, regardless, the jersey was released and it looks pretty fucking cool. So, good for you, Bruins. Speaking of good for you, Spencer Knight, young goaltender with the Florida Panthers. He was um, put into the NHL um, assistance program last season. And a lot of people speculate this and that. Oh, he's probably got this problem or that problem. And a lot of people always think the worst of people. Oh, he's got a drug addiction. Oh, he's got a drinking problem. And he's come out and said that he was dealing with uh, some severe OCD, which, you know... A lot of people deal with that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's really strong of him to come out and say what was going on. And, I mean, that's just good, man. It, it'll it settle down everybody. They're not going to question, like, oh, what was wrong with him? You know, it, it's a really hard thing to do to tell people what is going on. And it's a very personable thing. But, I mean, props to him for coming out and, and talking about what he's been dealing with. It's uh, hopefully going to help him out a lot in his future and hopefully help out the fans and other people to maybe understand about OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And I mean, just if you want a little definition of it, uh, OCD, according to the internet, is a disorder in which people have reoccurring unwanted unwanted thoughts, ideas, or sensations. Doesn't sound very great now, does it? So I'm very, very happy that uh, he's come out He's talked about it, he's dealing with it in the right way, and man, I am rooting for Spencer Knight, man. He's got to be up there with like Phil Gethel and guys that I'm just rooting for this season to have an awesome year, and Spencer Knight for sure. I'm hoping this dude has an awesome bounce back year for the Panthers and can get a taste of that playoff success that he kind of missed out on last year, but health mental health and just health in general is much more important than winning a game okay people so if you have any of these problems do not be afraid to talk about it so just you know get the help that you need and all that stuff you know all right so let's have a little bit of fun here let's do some predictions so i've been teasing for the last little bit that i'm going to do my awards prediction and the time is now so i'm gonna go through most of the major awards i'm not going to do all of them i'm going to do most of the major ones that people care about i'll give you my three nominees and i'll pick the one that i think is going to win it so let us start off with the heart trophy i am i am going to nominate Pasternak from Boston, Austin Matthews from Toronto, and Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers. I am selecting 
Connor McDavid. It's not all that shocking of a pick, admittedly, but I mean, the GM came out and said that it's basically cup or bust for the Edmonton Oilers this season, and if they're going to get there and they're going to dominate, and, and the way that McDavid played last year, I think he's without a doubt, probably going to be in the heart contention every year for the next decade, and I I feel like it's a pretty safe bet to pick McDavid for the heart as the most valuable player in the league. Now, the Art Ross for the player that scores the most points, nominating Nathan McKinnon, Colorado, Leon Dreisaitl, Edmonton, and Connor McDavid, Edmonton. And I'm picking... Connor McDavid, I know it's not going to be the most riveting, but the dude is a machine at scoring points. He went over my head last year. I thought I thought I was shooting for the stars for like 140 points. He got like, what, 156? I think McDavid is 100% capable of 150 points again. Now, the 60-plus goals, that may come down. He may get more assists, but I can see McDavid hitting at least 50 plus goals and I'm going to pick him for the Art Ross getting the most points in the league this season. Ted Lindsay, this is the one that's uh, the NHL Players Association votes on their most impressive player basically. So I am nominating Kale McCarr, Austin Matthews, and Connor McDavid. And three straight times, I am picking Connor McDavid, man. I think it's going to be close with McCarr because I just feel like defensemen in the game right now are just so freaking incredible. I There's so many, like the Norris, bro. I, I spent a good 10 minutes like picking my nominees for the Norris. It is tough because there's so many freaking amazing defensemen in the league right now. And I think Uh, players are just going to be really impressed at how amazing these players are but you can't count on McDavid and if Austin Matthews bounces back this season and gets back to how he was playing two seasons ago he's definitely going to be in that spot as well I think his all-around game continues to get better he's blocking shots more now he's going to be hitting maybe more he's going to get better defensively and if he can come back and get to the 55-60 goal mark yeah I think uh, Ted Lindsay nomination is in the books for him but I'm picking McDavid And now, we move on to the Maurice Rocket Richard for the player who scores the most goals. My nominees are David Pasternak, Boston, Connor McDavid, Edmonton Oilers, and Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I am selecting Austin Matthews. I'm just kidding, Bruins fans. I'm picking Austin Matthews. I feel like he's going to be a little bit on a mission this season to reclaim uh, the best goal scorer in the league award. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Austin Matthews as long as he's healthy. Fuck yeah, he should absolutely be back in that competition. And I'm going to be really interested to see if that 60-goal mark is going to be more common. Like last year, we had, what, I think three guys hit the 60-goal mark, which is insane. Like that was so, so very rare. We rarely see that. And now it's, I'm not going to say it's common, but it's um, it's happening more often than it ever has in the last like 15 years. So are we going to see goal scoring continue to go up? Is it going to go back down? Is it going to stagnate? We'll just have to wait and see, but I'm picking Austin Matthews. Now one of the hardest one, the Norris for the best defenseman in the league. I am picking, nominating, Kale McCarr, Colorado Avalanche, Adam Fox, New York Rangers, and Rasmus Dahlin of the Buffalo Sabres. And I'm picking Kale McCarr. So this, I don't know, this one's so tough, man. There's a lot of guys I got to shout out, like Roman Yossi, Heskinen, um, oh, Charlie McAvoy, Dougie Hamilton, 
I don't really want to put Eric Carlson there, but, you know, Eric Carlson, there's so many good freaking defensemen in this league, man. I mean, even Sergachev. Sergachev, I feel like, is going to really start picking up. Like, he picked it up last year, and I think Hedman's is going to start coming down in ice time, and Sergachev is just going to start excelling at that role. And even Hedman, man, he's still one of the better defensemen in the league, but that's just how good defensemen are getting in the league right now. And fuck, dude, this, even uh, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, the new captain, like, what if he just explodes and says, fuck this noise, I'm getting 100 points, and just blows us all away. But I'm going to pick Kale McCarr, Hopefully he's good and healthy this season. I feel like Colorado is going to be on a mission. I'm not going to say they got embarrassed by Seattle last year, but that was definitely disappointing for them. Coming off of the Stanley Cup, they're going to want to come back with a vengeance, and I feel like Kale McCarr is going to be one of the leaders in that. I'll pick him for the Norris. Now, this one's fun. We got the Calder. This goes to the Rookie of the Year. It's a little bit easy to... um, I'm going to pick the guy that I imagine everybody's going to pick. But it was fun going through all the rookies. And there's a lot of fun rookies coming into the league this year. But the three that I got nominated are... Logan Cooley of the Arizona Coyotes. Adam Fantilli of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks. So, I'm picking Bedard... He's going to have the best opportunities, more than likely the top line center already. Now, he doesn't have the best wingers on his line, but like we talked about earlier, he's probably going to elevate the game of Taylor Hall and whoever they put on the other side of him. So I'm going to be picking Bedard. Fantilli, I'll put an asterisk beside him because I don't know 100% if he's going to be in the Columbus Blue Jackets lineup. I feel like they're going to want him in there. But for the sake of if he's not going to be in there, you know, Devin Levi, Buffalo Sabres young goaltender, if he just busts out onto the scene, it's going to be really tough for him because it's very rare we see a young goaltender um, do very, very well in the league that early. You know, the closest comparison would be Jake Ottinger. He's only 24 and he's already got a pretty good track record behind him so maybe Devin Levi there's also uh Luke Hughes in uh, New Jersey I mean he for that little itty bitty uh time we got to see him play last season I was very very impressed at uh how good he looked already that one's a little bit on the outside um Unless, like, Dougie Hamilton goes down on an injury, I could see Hughes going up to that top PP, and then who the fuck knows what he could do with that. So he would be an outside choice as well, but I'm going to go with Bedard, the easy pick right there for the Calder. Up next, we got the Vesna for the best goaltender in the league. Uh, these are, like, my three kind of locks. I don't know. I don't really think I, I would be changing it, but I think it's even the same uh, three guys that I had last year. Uh, we got Elias Sorokin, New York Islanders, Shishjirkin of the New York Rangers, and Vasileski of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to double down, kind of going to go with Vasileski again, uh, kind of the same reason that I, I had him selected last year. He's going to be on a fucking revenge tour, baby. He's embarrassed. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not happy. They lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs. How embarrassing. And Vasilevsky is going to come back this year. He's, what, 28-29? He's already one of the best goalies of all time in terms of wins and playoff wins. The dude is ridiculous. And he's still got uh, maybe 10 more years in him. He can retire tomorrow, and he might make it into the Hall of Fame. Probably will. So I think Vasilevsky doesn't really have anything to prove other than I'm still the best, bitches and I think he's going to be the best this season. Vasileski is going to win the Vesna, but Shesterkin, it's not going to make it easy for him, and neither is Sorokin, so, but yeah, I'm going to pick Vasileski. 
Moving on, we got the Frank J. Selkie. So now that Patrice Bergeron is gone, this is going to get a little interesting now, is it? Now, who's going to be the next Patrice Bergeron in this league? My three nominees are Anze Kopitar from the LA Knights. LA, no, no, not the LA Knights. The LA Kings. There you go. Goddamn, almost almost got in trouble there. So him, you got Nico Hichier, captain of the New Jersey Devils, and Mark Stone, captain of your Vegas Golden Knights. I'm giving it to Mark Stone, bro. It's his time. He's going to get it. Even if he fucking plays 40 games, he's getting it because he's deserved it so many times, man. He does not get the fucking love that he deserves for how amazing he is defensively. I'm giving it to Mark Stone. No offense to Hesher or Kopitar. Kopitar, I believe, has won his. Hesher is probably going to win like 15 of them after. You got to give it to Stone. Please give it to Stone. It's been wait. It can't just keep going to centers every time. Mark Stone is incredible. I mean, they did nominate Marner last season. So, I mean, I'm not going to nominate Marner. Nah, I'm good. Mark Stone. And then Jack Adams. Last year, I was very, very wrong with the Jack Adams. But this year, I feel a little bit better about it. So I am nominating Rod the Bod, Rod Bridnamore from Carolina, uh, Jim Montgomery from Dallas, and Bruce Cassidy of the Vegas Golden Knights. This is tough. I'm going Rod the Bod on this one. I feel like he has been definitely out of that conversation undeservedly. He's been one of the most consistent, good coaches in the league bringing Carolina just a fantastic team and they're going to be one of the better ones this season I think this is the year that they finally gave it to Rod the Bod Brindamore and I think if he wins that Jack Adams that should maybe I don't I don't it's going to be tough I don't know if they judge that in the same thing because Rod Brindamore is still not in the Hall of Fame and I think he is Hall of Fame worthy and if you also get to consider his coaching career so far Fuck yeah, dude. Like, all the more reason to put this guy into the Hall of Fame. He could still play hockey. He's just so jacked. So, I'm going to pick Rod the Bod Brindamore for the Jack Adams this season. And yeah, bro, that's all the freaking awards that I want to do. I'm not worried about the Jennings. I'm not worried about the GM of the Year Award. That's basically the Stanley Cup. Speaking of Stanley Cup, we're not done just yet. So... I'm going to throw out my cup prediction right now. It's the same prediction that I put out every single year. The Toronto Maple Leafs. I know. Get your... Here. I'll have a, have a moment. Have a laugh. Go ahead. You good? You all right? All right. Toronto Maple Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup this year because I said so. And Austin Matthews is going to win the Conn Smythe. 40 goals. One assist. Stanley Cup. Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's fucking go. Come on. One of these years I'm going to be right, and it's going to feel so good. I'm so sorry about that. Anyway, let me know, everybody. What are your award predictions? Who's winning the Stanley Cup? Who's scoring the most points? Who's getting the most goals? Who's the best defenseman? And how wrong do you think I am? Go ahead. Let loose. I'm going to keep all my predictions written down. And then at the end of this season, a year from now, we'll go back and we'll laugh at how bad my predictions were. How does that sound, everybody? Sound good? All right. Sounds good to me, too. That is the episode, everybody. I apologize if there's any news that I might be missing. I'm recording this uh, a few days before I'm going to release it because I will not be in town. So if I miss some stuff, my apologies. I will be. I will talk about whatever I miss the next episode. That's how it always goes. If you're a hockey podcaster, you probably know this by now. You can't win when it comes to the news. Whenever you release a podcast, something's going to come out 10 minutes after and you're just going to miss it. So, And you'll just have to talk about it next time. So that's the way that she goes. And as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. 
Let me know what you think of the podcast. Review it, please, and thank you. That would be awesome. Help me out so much. And if you want to drop a comment, uh, send in a question. You want to get involved with this podcast, send in a question about hockey, wrestling, or video games. I love all those things. So send in your questions. You can send them in on Twitter. Link is down below. You can send them on YouTube. All these episodes get uploaded to my YouTube channel, GamerGXVideos. Leave a comment, question on those videos. Let me know what you think and all that great stuff. That would be awesome. It's also an email address if you want to get in touch with me, have a personal conversation. If you don't want your comment or question read out loud, email address is there for you. Even if you just want to have a personal talk, having a bad day, I'm here for you, bro. I got you covered. So there you go, everybody. Thank you again so much for listening. You guys are awesome. Have a fantastic day. And please, someone sign Phil Gaslow. Toronto, looking at you.